details from that game in just a second here. But first, uh, I just want to spend a little bit of time at the top of today's episode to uh, kind of uh, pay our respects to Teddy Balkand. Uh, by now, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with the story. And I also really hope that I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. I've heard Teddy Balkind. I've heard Teddy Balkind. Uh, I think I've heard Balkind a little bit more often than Balkind. So that's kind of the one that I'm going with. If anybody knows for sure, uh, definitely feel free to let me know. Uh, Teddy Balkin was a sophomore, a 10th grader at St. Luke's School of New Canaan. And he passed away tragically and suddenly uh, while playing in a JV hockey game. And I've kind of been waiting to, uh, you know, say a couple of words about this until a few more details became available. Obviously, you know, when the story first broke, there were reports that, you know, a player had passed away uh, in a hockey game, a high school player, tragically. And there weren't really a lot of details known. I, I don't even think they released his name. In fact, I know they didn't release his name right away, obviously, uh, you know, withholding that information for the time. Um, but basically what happened, it, it's something that is just such a flukish, freakish thing that can happen in a hockey game. But basically, he fell to the ice, and not to get too graphic on here or anything, but he was cut by a skate. The game was stopped. They worked on him. They rushed him to the hospital. But unfortunately, uh, he passed away due to his injuries. His father was also in attendance at the game. And uh, again, just one of those completely out-of-nowhere tragedies that you just can't really explain and can't really make any sense out of. I uh, obviously just really feel for his family, his teammates, his classmates. Uh, you feel for the kid that collided with him during the game because apparently what happened was uh, Teddy Balkin was down on the ice. You know, he fell to the ice and a kid couldn't stop and the collision happened. And unfortunately, uh, Teddy Balkin no longer with us as a result of that collision. And it's obviously uh, the kid who collided with him. It's not his fault. It's obviously just a terrible, terrible accident. But it's also one of those things that, you know, you hear about a story like this. And the, the thought that always comes to my mind, anytime I hear about a player being cut by a skate, and you know, fortunately, this doesn't happen that often. And even when it does happen, it doesn't usually turn out to be fatal. But the thought that I always have, whenever there's there's a scary incident with a skate cutting somebody is how in the world does this not happen more often than it does? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful that it doesn't happen more often, more frequently than it does. But, I mean, you think about, like, an NHL game or really any, any you know, level of hockey, but especially the NHL, oh, these guys are, are moving so fast and there's bodies flying all around the ice and everybody's hitting each other and just chaos. Everybody competes with so much intensity out there. Just a very, very fast-moving, fast-paced sport. And having covered high school hockey games, I mean... Yeah, it's not the NHL, but believe me, these these kids are unbelievable. And, and some of you listening might be playing high school hockey or you did in the past. Uh, you know, I've covered local sports, state championship games when it comes to hockey, and I'm always just blown away by how good these kids are and how fast everything moves. It's just truly incredible. But, you know, again, you, you think about a hockey game, you think about guys taking big hits and their skates flying up into the air. You think about some of these scrambles that happen in front of a net. You know, the puck's loose in the crease, and one team's trying to stuff it into the net. The other team's trying to keep it out of the net, and there's two or three guys down on the ice. There's six or seven guys in the crease. Everybody's off balance. They're pushing and shoving each other. They're falling down to the ice. There's guys already on the ice trying to block. I mean, how does this not happen more often where, where you know, a skate, you know, does something terrible? Something terrible happens as a result of somebody being cut by a skate. It's seemingly only by divine intervention that it doesn't happen more often. And unfortunately, um, you know, it's just a tragic event. I really don't know what else to say about it. I do know that there was a post that uh, Teddy Balkin made, and I, I looked this up before uh, before recording here. Uh, he made a post on Instagram. It shows a picture of himself with his hockey teammates, 
and uh, basically they're all posing with their medals. They had just won a uh, state tournament championship game, and they're all posing with their medals and the trophy, and, you know, you got the scoreboard in the background. Apparently, they won the game two to nothing. It's a great picture, and, you know, looking at the picture, I don't think anybody looks happier in it than Teddy Balkin, and he had a great caption there as well for the picture. It says, it's been a great eight years with the Winter Club, and it ended in the best way possible. Hashtag state champs. And yeah, I mean, there, there's a picture, you know, all the kids that won this uh, tournament, they've got their medals around their necks, and they've got the trophy being held by uh, the coach. It's a great picture, and, uh, you know, it must have been just before everything shut down due to COVID as well, assuming that, uh, you know, Teddy Balkin posted this. Uh, not too long after it happened, the date that he posted the picture was March 4th, 2020. So uh, awesome to see that they were able to to win that championship together. You can tell it meant a lot to Teddy Balkan. And again, my heart just goes out to anybody that uh, was affected by this tragedy. Just one of those freakish, flukish, strange things that happens in sports. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, we'll look to regroup a little bit here and talk about uh, the Rangers 3-1 to loss to the Los Angeles Kings in just a second. It really does seem strange. Uh, you know, obviously the tragic loss of life from a high school student and then talking about, uh, you know, the Rangers not playing so great against the Kings, but I mean, it's it's always just kind of striking making that transition because I, I know we're all big Ranger fans. I know we all care about this team, but you know, something like this happens and it, it really does put things in perspective. So we will get to that in just a second, but first I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Primal Origin Oils. Got beard, get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're the guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes bombs, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. All products are fair, trade certified, and handcrafted in the USA. The combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in beard to the other products you've used. We promise you will see and feel a difference. Remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Use the code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off. All right, so we'll go ahead and turn our attention back to the Rangers and more specifically their 3-1 to loss to the Kings in Los Angeles last night. And unfortunately, when it comes to game episodes, you know, game recap episodes on here, uh, we pretty much have to start every single one of them with a update to the COVID list as far as who's on the list, who's off the list, and uh, just kind of update you guys on that. I mean, for starters, last night, Gerard Gallant was out on protocol, so he was not available to coach this game. Uh, so too was Barclay Goodrow, so he was obviously not available to play in this game. And so that means that Chris Knobloch was the interim coach last night, just as he was last year when David Quinn and his coaching staff were all in COVID protocol. Now, you might remember, under Knobloch last season, the Rangers went 4-2, and two, and you might especially recall Chris Knobloch's first game behind the New York Ranger bench. Very memorable night for the Rangers. They squeaked by the Flyers by a final score of 9 to nothing. Just an absolute uh, one-sided beatdown of the Flyers. You don't get too many hockey games where, you know, the outcome has basically been decided halfway through. But that was basically the case in that game against the Flyers. Uh, unfortunately, despite Knobloch going once again 4-2 and last season, the Rangers uh, do not play their best in this 3-1 to loss. It was kind of a weird game because... 
I felt like the Rangers, for, for a team that was back on its heels for a lot of the night and certainly missing a little bit of physicality that's usually available because, you know, there was no Ryan Reeves, there was no Dryden Hunt, now there's no Barclay Goodrow. The Rangers did get Panarin back, and we'll talk about that more in a second. But for a team that, you know, again, they spent most of this game, it felt like, in their own zone, you know, kind of back on their heels trying to defend, and they only end up producing a grand total of 23 shots on goal. All that considered, I thought the Rangers actually had a decent amount of scoring opportunities. It was a case of quality over quantity. The weird thing is that it felt like every single time the Rangers got close to scoring in this game, it was kind of these out-of-nowhere scoring opportunities. It wasn't the result of sustained pressure, sustained uh, time in the offensive zone. You know, they would just be the puck would be along the boards, and then, you know, Panarin would throw it in front to, to Ryan Strom, and Strom would get denied on the doorstep by Peterson. That's just one example. But there were a lot of plays like that where even the goal that the Rangers scored. Now, in that one, I guess you could make the case that that was one of the few instances in the game where the Rangers actually had a lot of uh, sustained offensive zone times, sustained pressure. Uh, McKeg, you know, he gets the puck. He's fighting for the puck along the boards. He gets it over to Heedle. Heedle has his back to the net, circles to his right, passes in deep for Mika Zibanejad, and Zibanejad tipped it in from the doorstep. That cut the LA lead to two to one at that point, and still 8.33 to go in the game. So despite the Rangers' struggles, they were in the game at the end. Uh, LA ends up getting an empty netter with a minute and 17 seconds remaining to all but seal the win. Um, but yeah, you know, again, they had their chances. They just tended to come from out of nowhere as opposed to sustained offensive pressure. And you do have to give uh, at least a, bit of, a little bit of credit to Cal Peterson of the LA Kings. You know, he's been kind of up and down this season. He's scuffled a little bit. I thought he made some tremendous saves in this game, especially early that, you know, kept the Kings in the game, kept their lead intact and what have you. Uh, Johnny Brodzinski toward the end of this game had a heck of an opportunity to tie this game for the Rangers. This is after Mika had scored with eight minutes and 33 seconds remaining. Uh, kind of a follow the bouncing puck kind of play. I, I forget who it was, but somebody tried to play the puck toward the net for the Rangers. It went up in the air. It came down to the ice, basically at Brodzinski's feet. And of course, it's bouncing and topping a little bit. Uh, he tries to basically bat it into the net and kind of fans on his first shot. Then on his second shot, man, he just missed a game-tying goal, which would have been a really cool moment. I thought that fourth line had a nice night together. You know, Gettinger and Barron and Brodzinski played hard. Uh, I thought Morgan Barron, you know, he's starting to look like he really belongs in the NHL. And I wouldn't even say that, you know, Tim Gettinger and Johnny Brodzinski look out of place. I think of the three of them, Morgan Barron has probably impressed me the most. And he's probably the guy that has the best chance to stick around. But, you know, there's just such a logjam. And as we've talked about, it's a good problem to have where the Rangers have a lot of guys that seem pretty deserving of being on the NHL roster and, and being dressed on, you know, pretty much every night. Uh, we'll see how this shakes out once everybody's healthy. But obviously, you know, with the, uh, COVID protocol that's in place and guys being in and out of the lineup, it does open the door a little bit for guys like Gettinger and Barron and Brodzinski to kind of stake their claim to some playing time. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how the Rangers look to uh, handle it when everybody is healthy. And of course, the ongoing saga for the Rangers is the third defense pairing and which two guys are going to uh, make up the third defense pairing on any given night. And last night, it was Patrick Nemeth who makes his return to the lineup and also Jared Tenorti. And I thought it was a little bit of a rough night for these guys. There were just too many instances where it just really looked like they were struggling to kind of keep up with the pace of the Los Angeles Kings. And that's another thing. The makeup of this Kings team has definitely changed. They were talking about it on the broadcast a little bit last night as well. But you're used to the Kings being, you know, a big, tough, physical team. Uh, they've kind of shed some of that that size in favor of some speed. And it showed at certain instances of this game. And there were times where, uh, you know, the... Uh, 
pairing of Nemeth and Tenorti looked like they were really back on their heels. Uh, Nemeth, again, we'll, we'll cut him a little bit of a, some slack because it was his first game back in the lineup. But he made just, uh, I forget what period it was. I'm, I'm trying to picture it in my head and which way the two teams were going on the ice. But yeah, okay, so it must have been the second period. But he made just a, a terrible pass to Jared Tenorti. Just completely ill-advised. It's one of those... Uh, Low reward, high risk passes because basically Nemeth has the puck on the right side. He's kind of close to the boards. And instead of, you know, maybe just playing the puck up the boards, doing the same thing, which is what he normally would do here, I would think. You know, Nemeth, I, I think, usually makes fairly simple, straightforward decisions with the puck. He doesn't try to do anything too fancy. But for one reason or another, he passes to his left to Tenorti, basically right in front of the Ranger net. And there's Kings swarming in the Ranger zone. So uh, a really ill-advised pass led to a turnover. That's another thing. There were just too many turnovers by the Rangers in general in this game. But it led to a turnover, led to a scoring chance for the Kings. Uh, Georgiev, I think, made a save or two in that instance. And Georgiev, another really solid game for the Rangers last night. Made some really tough stops. There were times where it felt like he was kind of a man on an island, because if you look at the Kings' goals, you know, not counting the empty netter, obviously, but the two goals that the Kings scored, man, I mean, the Rangers did everything but roll out the red carpet for the Kings as far as, uh, you know, allowing them to, you know, basically do whatever they wanted right in front of the New York Ranger net. We'll break down both of those goals in just a second, but, uh, you know, Alex Georgiev, again, another fantastic game for the Rangers. Stops 36 of 38 shots, and in a future episode, we're going to take a look at Rangers that could be traded before or at the trade deadline. And when I do that episode, it's not necessarily going to be an endorsement of trading any player on the Rangers. And you think about where the Rangers are right now. Certainly, I don't think they're going to trade a lot of guys from their NHL roster because they're in position to be buyers for the first time in quite a long time. But I think we're going to at least acknowledge uh, the possibility of you know at least a couple of Rangers and again, I don't think there's going to be a fire sale or anything like that, but we'll take a look at the Rangers who could be on the block uh, if they look to bring in, you know, an already established player, you know, trade some guys with some upside, whatever it might be. Uh, we'll break all that stuff down in tomorrow's episode. But uh, I think Alex Georgiev is going to be at or near the top of that list. And listen, there's a compelling case to be made either way. Hang on to Alex Georgiev in case anything happens to Igor Shesterkin or trade him now while his stock is high and just kind of roll with Keith Kincaid as the backup for the rest of this season. Maybe one of the AHL guys for, uh, for next season. And like I said, we'll get into that in tomorrow's episode. I also wanted to break down these first two goals that were scored by the LA Kings to kind of just illustrate my point about how easy it was for the Kings to, you know, get into the crease there. Not a whole lot of resistance by the Rangers on either one of these goals, which both occurred early in the second period. And like I said, we'll do that in just a second. But first, just want to let everyone know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. And just want to thank everyone once again for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so as we just mentioned, we're going to go ahead and break down these goals scored by the Los Angeles Kings, both of them coming very early in the second period. This one happened 
actually in the first minute. Uh, you've got Keandre Miller's got the puck in the neutral zone. He attempts to make a pass to his right to Jacob Truba, and the puck is stolen by Moore. Moore makes a really strong drive to the net. Truba comes over to try to help out a little bit, but Moore nevertheless does make it to the net in the crease there. He's got the puck on his backhand, tries to get it past Georgiev. Georgiev makes the save, uh, but following the play is Philip Deneau, uh, a guy who, as we discussed in our last episode, the crossover with Sarah Evampato of Locked On Los Angeles Kings. He was one of my favorite uh, potential free agent targets for the Rangers this past offseason. Just a guy with a good, strong, all-around game. In retrospect, I mean, it's probably for the better that they didn't sign him because, again, uh, you don't want to overpay and overextend yourself from, for somebody. And I'm not even saying that Deneau's not worth the money, but as we've discussed in the past on this podcast, the Rangers were going to have to use that money to uh, re-sign a lot of their own guys. We saw Mika Zibanejad get an extension. We saw Adam Fox get an extension, but uh, not going on too much of a tangent here. Uh, Deneau basically follows up the play, stuffs in the loose puck, and uh, rough moment for Ke'Andre Miller because not only did he turn the puck over, but then he kind of skated past the puck on Moore's shot and couldn't clear it out of harm's way. And then Deneau was there to uh, clean up the garbage in front of the net, put it home, give the Kings a one to nothing lead just 55 seconds into the second period. And Miller, you know, overall, I think he's had a really nice season for the Rangers, but he's had two uh, really rough hiccups in these last couple of games here. The only goal that was scored by Anaheim was the result of a Ke'Andre Miller turnover that really didn't need to happen. He kind of fanned on the pass, led right to a scoring opportunity, and uh, that gave the Ducks a one to nothing lead. And then, of course, here, you know, just a, a bad pass allows it to be stolen by Moore. I wouldn't say that he was nonchalant or anything like that. I think he just kind of miscalculated, you know, how close Moore was to him, and uh, Moore able to fairly easily steal the puck here, go in, uh, get the backhand shot, the rebounds there. Miller can't clear that either, and Deneau cleans up from the uh, from the doorstep. So again, you know, Miller solid season overall for the Rangers, but a couple of hiccups these last couple of games here, and uh, you hope that he can kind of course correct sooner rather than later. Then we have the goal by Blake Lazat, and this happens less than three minutes later and gives the Kings a two to nothing lead early in the second period. And on this goal, once again, it's more kind of getting the ball rolling for the Kings. He skates the puck up the right side. He's kind of going into the corner. And for one reason or another, for, for starters, I mean, Tenorti was struggling to keep up with him. I, he's not very fleet of foot. I think we all know that. Uh, his game is, you know, size and strength and physicality and all that good stuff. But for one reason or another, Tenorti and Nemeth both, like, chase more into the corner here. I don't know why both Ranger defensemen felt the need to do this. I mean, Moore's in no position to uh, score a goal here. He, he's probably going to, you know, dump the puck around behind the net or, or try to skate it around the, behind the net himself. But both Rangers kind of uh, chase the puck in this situation, both Ranger defensemen. And Moore just kind of throws the puck toward the net. Uh, Arvidsson gets a piece of it. It goes on net. Georgiev makes the save. But then Lazat is there in front of the net, and there's nobody to move him out of there. And he puts the puck home from the doorstep. I mean, Panarin tried to come over and help out at the last second, but, I mean, that's not really his responsibility on that play. That's the responsibility of the defenseman to protect the front of the net there. And, uh, again, just not a great game for Nemeth, not a great game for Tenorti. We'll see other Rangers look to line up in their next one. I mean, they're going to – it looks like they're going to continue to mix and match a little bit going forward. And I should also mention, you know, obviously we talked about how Gerard Gallant was on the COVID protocol list and he was unavailable to coach this game. He still is making lineup decisions as far as who's in the lineup and who sits and who plays with who and all that good stuff. And then obviously as the game is, you know, progressing – you know, during the actual game, Chris Knobloch is is handling line changes and, and things like that. But uh, Gallant is coaching this team 
as much as he possibly can from afar, which was also the case last season when uh, Knobloch had to step in for David Quinn. But uh, yeah, just not good there. That was kind of a theme on the night. There were a couple other instances where I thought the Kings just had too much room, too much freedom in front of the Ranger net, and more often than not, really in every other instance, Alex Georgiev kind of bailed them out, would make a tough save. Once again, Georgiev coming up big with 36 saves on 38 shots. And Georgiev has been a hard luck loser a number of times this season. He's just now 7-5-2, but we all have seen what he's done recently. Tough start to the season, but whenever Igor's been unavailable, Georgiev has really stepped up and put together a really nice season for himself, overcoming a really shaky start. He deserves better than his 7-5-2 record uh, that he currently sports for this team. And one other topic that I wanted to hit on was that Artemi Panarin, obviously, he's back in the lineup. And, uh, you know, as they mentioned a couple of times on the broadcast, he did look like he was shaking off the rust occasionally during this game. Uh, a couple of nice passes here and there. You know, if Peterson didn't have his A game, maybe Panarin comes away with a couple assists in this game. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know that Artemi Panarin necessarily had his A game in this one last night. But then again, Artemi Panarin with his B game is still better than uh, most of the players in the NHL by a long shot. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think it's a case where, you know, he missed some games and he's looking to just kind of find his groove again. And I think we'll see it as soon as the Rangers next game against the San Jose Sharks this coming Thursday. Uh, but something that must be talked about here is that Obviously, he's back on the top power play unit, and he was also back to his old spot on the left side. I mean, we've seen Panarin just let the puck fly from that left face-off circle on the man advantage or, you know, make a great cross-ice pass to set up somebody from that spot as well. I know that, you know, some Ranger fans had been talking about this, that, man, Mika Zibanejad is playing Panarin's usual spot, and he looks so good there. He looks so dangerous, and that's all true, but... I still got to put Artemi Panarin there. I mean, to me, Panarin is uh, the most dangerous, the most feared player on the New York Rangers. That's where he's at home. That's where he's at his most dangerous. And uh, it's not like Mika Zibanejad struggles on the power play for the New York Rangers. I mean, that top unit is lethal. I think they're as good as about any other quintet that you could put together, uh, really, in the NHL. And as we've talked about, the Rangers, uh, they do have a top 10 power play unit to go along with a uh, I believe, top five penalty kills. So they're doing just fine on special teams, and uh, I would go back to what has been a winning formula for this team. I have no issues with uh, Panarin taking that spot back from Mika Zibanejad. And as far as, you know, the idea of splitting them up, I mean, not that I think the Rangers would give this a lot of consideration. I definitely would not do it. I like the idea of front-loading that top power play unit and uh, making them as dangerous as they can possibly be and leaving them out there for as much of the man advantage as you can possibly leave them out there for. And if Panarin and Zibanejad aren't going to be line mates for 5v5 hockey, as they are typically not, then let me at least get them together on the power play. You got to at least have them out there for, you know, some of the game together and take advantage of, uh, you know, the two most talented forwards on your team. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about today was uh, the all-star selections that have been announced. And the Rangers will have three representatives. They are Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, and Chris Kreider. And I should actually back up for a second here because the format of the All-Star Game seems to change on pretty much an annual basis. It seems like there's always a new wrinkle being thrown in or something that they do differently from year to year. And for anybody that hasn't really uh, kept up with it, what they're going to do this season is you will have four different All-Star teams, uh, one for each of the four divisions. There will be 11 players on each of the four teams. So 44 All-Stars in the league. 
The All-Star Weekend is slated for February 4th and 5th in Las Vegas. And as far as the Rangers that made the team, I mean, again, I, I don't think anyone could possibly argue with this. Artemi Panarin, uh, he's Artemi Panarin. What else is there to say, really? Uh, for anybody wondering, though, you know what? I might as well just go through the entire Metropolitan Division here. So you've got Alex Ovechkin. He's going to be the captain. You've also got Artemi Panarin, Jake Gensel, Sebastian Ajo, Claude Giroux, and Chris Kreider. Those are your six forwards for the Metro team. And then as far as the defense, and you only have three, so to, to make this team is quite the honor. But you've got Adam Fox, Dougie Hamilton, and Zach Wierenski. And then in goal, you've got Ilya Sorokin, as well as Freddie Anderson. Now, when I saw that three Rangers had made the team, I mean, that's really cool because, again, there's only 11 players on this Metro Division team. The Rangers have three of them. That's solid. Uh, I do feel like Igor Shesterkin got snubbed, however. And when you look at the rosters on NHL.com, they mention, uh, you know, other players that receive votes to be on the All-Star team. They don't say, like, how many votes they got or how many points it was good for or anything like that. They just mention that certain other players received votes to be on the team. And one of those players that received votes, in fact, the only Ranger on this list here, was Igor Shesterkin. And Tristan Jerry of the Penguins, he also got votes. Uh, he's obviously a goalie as well. So there were four goalies that were basically in contention to make this uh, this all-star team here. And I do have to take issue with Igor Shesterkin not making it. I mean, I realize he's missed some time this season. Uh, and I would say that he's probably behind Freddie Anderson. We've mentioned how Igor Shesterkin is certainly going to be a Vezna candidate right now. And of course, this could change. I got to say that I think Igor is probably looking up at Freddie Anderson just a little bit in this division as far as their overall stats. Uh, Anderson has gone 18-5. and five. He's got a goals against average of 1.97, a save percentage of 9.29, and one shutout. Uh, so I don't have an issue with him being ahead of Igor Shesterkin, and we'll run through Igor's numbers just so everybody can get an idea there as well. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, 15-4-2, 2.09 goals against average, 9.36 save percentage, and two shutouts. So Igor's got one more shutout than Freddie Anderson. He's got a bit better save percentage. His goals against average, not quite as good, although very comparable, uh, but... Either way, Freddie Anderson, Igor Shesterkin, great picks. I don't see how Ilya Sorokin is ahead of Igor Shesterkin uh, on this all-star team. And my first inclination was to think that, like, okay, well, you know, Igor's missed some time. Maybe Sorokin's played more games. But no, Ilya Sorokin has played 20 games for the Islanders. Uh, Igor Shesterkin has played 21 games for the Rangers. And Sorokin is 8-7. and seven, And... He's got a goals against average of 246, a save percentage of 925, and three shutouts. So the only stat where he's got Shesterkin beat is he's got one more shutout than Igor. So again, I, I fail to see how uh, Sorokin makes his team ahead of Igor Shesterkin. I'll be honest, I don't really know. Again, they, they change the format of this All-Star game so often, and they change the rules and how everything works. I don't know if there's a rule that every team has to have a at least one representative and in fact, having now paused the podcast and went to check the rosters here, I can now say that, yes, every team in the NHL has at least one representative in the All-Star game. And looking at a few of the guys that made it, I think that that probably is the rule uh, without looking that up and knowing for sure. It certainly looks to be the case that at least every team has to have at least one player on the roster. So that's really unfortunate. I mean, the Islanders are so bad this season that the only player that they can possibly send to the All-Star game is their goalie, Ilya Sorokin, and it prevents Igor Shesterkin, who seems to be quite a bit more deserving of that All-Star spot from making the All-Star team. That's really a bummer, but it is what it is. Uh, Igor Shesterkin um, snubbed from the All-Star team, but doesn't change the fact that I 
still think he's right in the middle of the Vesna race and one of the elite goalies in this league. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the possibility of the Rangers moving any of their current players via a trade to bring in somebody that could uh, help the team in the short term. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms.